From lifestyle, fitness, beauty, travel, relationships, and self-care, Steph's got you covered. Welcome to your safe space, where you can stop what you're doing, relax, and let someone else do the heavy lifting for once. This is the Luxury Dropout Podcast with your host, Stephanie Joplin. What's up, Dropout? Stephanie Joplin here. And today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Chelsea Blackman Drago. She and I have been friends for about 15 years, but she is an actress, a director, a producer. She lives in LA, but she is a native Houstonian. And we talked about a lot of really amazing things on today's podcast. We talked about her career as an actress in LA, a couple of the TV shows she's been on, and one embarrassing sex scene that her boyfriend at the time wasn't so comfortable with. We also talk about how does marriage survive in LA? What are the tools that we use to keep a marriage afloat in the city of angels? Because obviously that is something that escapes a lot of the people that live there as we know, and what qualities in a partner that you should look for when you are in a place that is so transient and so caught up on looks and age. We also touched on Houston Astros baseball. We are both huge Houston Astros fans. Don't shy away from this though, Dodgers fans, because we have a few anecdotes uh, from Dodger Stadium. We have no animosity towards our fellow baseball fans. Just as long as you love baseball, that's all we care about. So grab some popcorn, grab a drink, and settle in for today's episode with Chelsea Bluckman Drago. So Chelsea, welcome to the Luxury Dropout. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. We we have been friends for quite a while. It's been probably 15 years at least that we've Isn't been friends. That crazy. It is pretty crazy. But you're the opposite. You have grown exponentially since I met you. Um, my first memory that comes to mind when I think of you, however, is we're at a dinner table at a Mexican restaurant. Armando's. Armando's. <laughs> and you have you we're posing for a photo. Everyone else is like, Hey guys, and you're just like with your knife and fork, and you're like, <laughs> you're like ready to go. <laughs> like I think our food was coming, and so I I die every time I see that picture come up in my time hop because it. it reminds me of you so much. I'm also um, like, how do I have friends? How? <laughs> Actually, that is the reason why you have friends. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about, first of all, you know, your background, you're from Houston, you're ride or die Houston fan, you went to New York for school. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And what was your experience when you left the Houston bubble and went out to New York at first? Well, it was definitely time. And I'm I was in a really toxic relationship. It actually like ended right before that Armando's dinner. Um, and okay. yeah. <laughs> and so it was really hard for me. And I think I was just like, I think I had to switch from this mindset of this is, I'm going to be this young. I was so young, like 22 yeah. housewife in the burbs with kids and that all fell apart. And I was like, who am I? Like, what is my next step? What do I want to be? And what seemed like the worst thing that's ever happened to me? I mean, I was so depressed. I, my hair was falling out. I was like, I don't know what to do. Ended up being the best thing that's ever happened to me. Had not all of that fallen apart, I would be miserable, probably divorced, like four kids. Like, I don't even want to talk about what shoes I'd probably be wearing. Like, oh, Forget disgusting that. yeah no. socks I don't know I and actually, not the new ones the old ones I actually own Diplo Crocs I have to say I I fell on the onto the wagon I literally was like I hated that trend I was like why are we bringing it back and now I'm like oh my god I want them and I want to get like little wine glass charms they're comfy <laughs> They are uh, so well, comfy. everything, everything from nineties, early two thousands is coming back. So that's right on point with it. time to cash in those beanie babies. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so you go to New York, you're starting over, you yeah. see kind of like God's grace around you. Yeah. You're like, you, you thought your life was going one way and it went yeah. the other way. And so you go to, you go to school, right? Yes. 
think you want to be an actor. That's like what you have in mind. Totally. And okay. that whole process, and this is the thing that I miss about that version of me. It's like, I am like, anything can happen. Like I think about it now. I'm like, I can't believe you just flew to New York, walked into the school and it's like, hi, I'm here to audition to be an actor. And I remember <laughs> I did a monologue from like Kill Bill, the opening monologue. Um, yeah. And it was horrific. Like I literally, <laughs> the fact that I got into the school and like, cause the idea I had of acting before that, cause I had always been in like theater and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, we're pretending. And then I end up going to this conservatory, which literally is like whiplash. I mean, they yell at you and break you down. And I'm like, Oh, acting is just being truthful in an imaginary circumstance. So it's not faking it is we are reliving this person's life as truthfully as we can from our own experiences. And it learning that just kind of reframed everything. And um, it was really, really hard. New York is a really hard place to just thrive, but it's humbling. And it, I think everyone for at least a year should do a year in New York. It just really, I feel like, builds it's, the character. scares the shit out of me. It like, is scary, but it like, <laughs> you rise to the occasion. It's great. I went there for, I'm not joking, like 36 hours. My friend was um, fighting the UFC title fight for heavyweight. This was like two and a half years ago. And by myself, just, you know, got into the city, had my hotel room, tried to find my friends that were at some bar somewhere, you know, got dressed for the fight by myself, went to the fight by myself at Madison Square Garden. It was just very, I mean, I did it. I rose to the occasion. I'm like, I'm in my thirties. What am I going to do? Ask my mommy to be on FaceTime with me. (laughs) I mean, well, I would do that, but, uh, (laughs) but I did it. Um, and I even, you know, I did, I didn't die. I mean, I got, you know, like people were trying to talk to me. I was like, uh, uh, no, 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 like, I just kind of like, You know, um, I don't, I don't know why it was at night, you know, and I was by myself. So I think it was scarier than it would have been during the day, but it was just, I can't imagine being there and trying to make it like on my, you know, like Mary Tyler Moore, like she's going to make it after all. Like, I just can't, I mean, I feel like that that's you that's like you, (laughs) like no matter where you put Chelsea, like she's going to thrive. So we we should all, we should all strive to be more like you for sure. It's, it's definitely hard. Like I was like, how? How am I supposed to figure it? It's just so fast paced that like you need a second to be like, how do I do this? But right, right. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so when you were, so when did it, when did that adventure end? And then you moved to LA, like when, when was that decision made? Um, at the time in New York, it was like law and order and like maybe one other show that you could book. And then that was it. So I was like, yeah, it's like, if you did law and order, it's like, congrats, you've done all you can do in New York at the time. Now New York is thriving. I'm like, what? Um, so I was like, I need to get to LA. That's where I need to go. And I really was hesitant about moving here because what, of course, when I went to visit, it's so different from New York, like New York, even though people seem mean, it's because there are no BS. They give you your answer straight to your face. They're not, they're there in a like nurturing, hard kind of tough love way. We're out here. People will waste your time. They'll be like, yeah, love it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nothing ever happens. Mm -hmm. And so you learn to appreciate like that straight shot kind of feel, we'll worry about feelings later, but like what's going to help us in the long run. So I was just like not into the idea of LA. I literally, this is the craziest story. I landed and I'm crying. I'm in the Uber and the Uber driver's like, you okay? And I'm like, no, like this place is never going to be New York. Like, how am I going to find a New York acting coach? And he's like, oh, well, actually my acting coach is from New York. And Ah, no way. Craig has still been my acting coach till now. Eric, who was my Uber driver, went on to be like, played Dakota Fanning's brother in Twilight. I just, I just AD'd for him on a movie he wrote last week was shooting with him. And this is all from that Uber drive, like a full circle thing. Cause I was a psycho crying in the backseat. I like the psycho crying. I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, so AD is assistant direct. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to put it in layman's terms. For yeah. Yeah. That might not be in the acting world. Um, that is fantastic story. Actually. I, it's when crazy. I went to, when I landed in LAX, I couldn't figure out where they put the Uber stand. <sighs> couldn't figure it out. They had just moved it. And yeah. so I had made friends with the guy in the seat next to me when we were flying and he had given me his number and he was like, 
you know, he was married, like there was no inappropriateness. Um, yeah. but he was like, if you need anything, like just let me know. So I call him and I'm like, I can't find the newest. <laughs> and he's like, you're a mess. Cause he goes there all the time. He's from here. Mm-hmm. And so he literally came with his rental car and picked me up and took me to my hotel. Amazing. I <laughs> love that. I, I think that's like such a true testament to the whole, like, be nice to everyone on the way up. Cause you never yeah. know. And like someone that was my Uber driver is now like, I'm wor- I'm working for him and he's so successful. It's just like every opportunity, you just don't know where people are in their journey. Yes. How important it is to like treat everyone like with that mutual respect. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And, and I've noticed that with my reaching out to people, you know, to do the podcast, I'm like, I'm brand new. I'm starting out. I'm 37. I'm literally restarting my career from scratch. Will you support me? And I'm just really seeing, you know, people it's mostly, yeah, it's mostly yes and supportive, but there's some people that just ignore the messages, um, which is fine. They don't have to come on the show. Like no, no one's forcing you, but you know, just women supporting women to me is something that's so important to me. And I know it's so important to Uh you as well, um, which we'll get into for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I I love listening to the podcast of you and Nick, your husband. Thank you. was so adorable and sweet. I told you, like, this is now an, a, a Nick Drago Stan account. Um, <laughs> I told him he was like so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great, and I love that he knew that you couldn't be proposed to in a mediocre way. Like, it had to be like an all out type of proposal. But I also love that you stayed in character. Like, you were you were like, I'm here to work. Like, let's finish the shoot. And you're they're like, Chelsea, there's there's no I'm shoot. So upset. what do you mean (laughs) oh my gosh that's too funny I'm gonna have to link the interview so people can listen to it um because I I loved it I was like I I was half cracking up and then towards the end I was like what is this my eyes are leaking I know it's so so if you they're like literally best friends it's so ridiculous Ugh, dumpling is Chelsea's dog and I'm so obsessed I remember a couple years ago you used to post your walks with dumpling and he wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to move cars would like pull over and be like are they okay yeah. Did they get hit by a car I'm like no, no she just likes to drag her back legs like it's just I'm like you're embarrassing me walk. <laughs> yeah yeah that was your audio you're like embarrassing me get up from here <laughs> You would just try to like drag her and she was just like, mm, no, no, I'm not no. doing it. And I feel that. I really, <laughs> really feel that. So you, so you moved to LA, you get in touch with, it was, Eric was your Uber driver. Yeah. Right? And then you, and then who was your acting coach? Uh, Craig Archibald, who Craig. like literally is just the most, he kind of became my LA dad. He's fantastic. Um, okay. But I quickly found out that it's so important to find your tribe and they have to be real people um, because that's hard to find out here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this underlying kind of toxic culture where people, and it's weird because LA is so woke in those terms, but it's woke right. for like a self-serving purpose. It's like, watch me do something good, but make sure it's on Instagram so that I can get you know, no one's really helping people to help people. I learned that really quickly. Um, But again, I had this like, and I don't want to say I'm jaded now, but I had this anything is possible kind of thing. I was like, who can I meet? Like friends were connecting me. I literally uh, had moved into this Airbnb until I found a place. I didn't have a car yet. I had an audition that day. I like went to um, this like liquor store and that I would go to every day cause they had coffee and I could walk there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, can I borrow your stapler? Like it was just like this small little community of oh. good people I found. And, um, I ended up booking a commercial right away in wow. Detroit. Um, and, but I met so many great friends on that set and like, it just, you start to like build and build a community. And I was fortunate that a lot of some of my friends from Houston and New York had started to move out here. Okay. Um, but I remember there being like, you know, the advice I was getting from some people was like, you need to go to the club, this club tonight or this, these people will be here. You want to network. And I'm like, but the people I want to network with are in bed because they have a meeting at 7am right. at HBO. Yeah. So 
and I was grateful that I had lived in New York before I went to LA because I think a lot of people that come out here young, it's easy to get distracted with like this, like fame and you could be a YouTube star, a TikTok star. And while all these things are possible, it's probably not going to happen. And people are taking advantage of, of your good energy. And sadly, that is just like part of the culture out here is people just use people up and it's sad and it's, it's hard. And I really do feel like that is why the homeless crisis in LA is so bad. I think people move out here to pursue these dreams and don't realize like that can quickly be taken away by this culture of like, go to these parties, drink, do these drugs, meet these people that don't have your best interests and don't really care. And it's quickly 10 years passes and you have nothing. And I just feel for, you know, I encourage anyone like chase your dreams, but like also like, stay focused on them and not the distractions around them, which is hard to do, but really necessary out here. So someone who's looking to be a young actor, you know, looking to move out to LA, you recommend really honing it, like, you know, like zoning in on finding your tribe and finding good people to protect you and surround you. Totally. Find your tribe, get in a class, find a good mentor to work with stay like I think a lot of people think that a working actor is when you're on set when you're booking the job a working actor is auditioning a working actor is every day going to a class or reading a play or you know it's like that it's not the going out and I met this director whatever it's that's not the work the work is like your craft and focusing on that yeah I think you know a lot of my previous mental image of LA comes from Laguna Beach in the hills like that's how I pictured it. I'm like, oh, okay. So to be cool, you have to go to this club and this restaurant, which were all sponsors, obviously, of the show and totally. to be on there. But you just see them going out all the time and just hanging out by the pool. And I'm like, this looks easy, right? But they just, I mean, it's not easy. And they probably weren't even getting paid that much to do the show in general. Yeah. Um, so I guess they're just like, you know, I mean, they're still using their fame, you know, here we are 10 years later, but, but it's probably been difficult, um, for them to maintain their lifestyle that they were maintaining in their early twenties, I assume. A hundred percent. And you see it like, even on the real housewives, like a lot of them like end up getting a divorce and like, or we find out they're bankrupt or it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like the idea being like criminal. Oh yeah. 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 It's like the idea of being successful here is all circulated around tangible things and not like, what have we accomplished? What have we done to help someone genuinely? And it's more out here. Like, what do you drive? Where do you live? What part of town? Like, where do you eat? Where do you go? Who do you know? I, every time I get the, who do you know? Can could, you get like, me into Nobu Malibu? Right. Or how many followers do you have on Instagram? That one was like, oh. oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Instagram's a whole other a whole thing. other thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, okay. So you get to LA and then I know that you met Nick. How long into your arrival in LA? Four years into my arrival. Okay, and like, so you were already pretty situated. Yeah, pretty situated, was dating someone who just like, it's so funny because their current girlfriend reached out to me to Instagram this week and was like, I need to know what happened with you guys. I think this and this. And like, as much as it's easy to just like, I don't know if I can say this word, but shit on the guy. Yes. Uh, Okay, great. Uh, I literally was just like, uh, like, I think I I wish the best for him. He was just like a broken doll. And it was like me taking care of him all the time and like just couldn't get it together. And like was one of those actors, which I also suggest don't date someone in your same field. It's just too hard. Um, Yeah. It's like date someone that could be your boss. So (laughs) (laughs) like, um, but he was just a mess. Um, And I was in that relationship and finally it ended. And I was like, I'm just focusing on me and I'm going to just jump back in to like stay busy. I was like volunteering uh, with Emily Shane Foundation, who's this great woman in Malibu who works in like inner city schools, which was like life changing for me. Um, 
yeah, it was interesting to like learn that side of the city. Cause normally we're like, I'm not going to Compton. Why would I go to Compton? Yeah. And, um, it was just, those kids are just so talented and amazing. And it's unfortunate yeah. that they're not the school district and the school system is so corrupt in LA. It's insane. Um, that's a whole different thing, but I was doing that. I was like literally taking any workshop you can think of for acting. And one day my manager had tagged Nick. I think he was just getting done with a job at CBS or something, but he had posted a funny story and I was like, Oh, is this my comedic soulmate? And then, yeah, he he had hit her up for my number and it was crazy because I never thought one, I would find someone I'm going to marry in LA um and then yeah and the fact that he ended up like being from Houston so it's so easy for holidays and location like you cannot date if you're getting on the 405 for someone like it has to be like the man of your dreams right so like he ended up living like less than half a mile away from me I was like check 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 all these things are checking (sighs) that must have been such a relief when you found out he was so close to you it was amazing wow it was great so going back to Nick so he so what field was he in and so you and were you still acting at this point in time was still acting, um, and he's a professional dancer um, and not a stripper for the listeners. Like oh, he well, trained in like the, uh, ballet, jazz, oh um, very classically trained. Side note: Has he seen the TikTok account with the dancer intros? Because it's oh, like- it's so funny, and it's funny because he actually owns a dance competition, so he knows that so well. He has <laughs> it like, is my favorite. It's the best one. Um, yeah, he super talented. It's crazy. It's like oh, coming in, coming on to stage, Blanche Dubois, <laughs> soft jazz, like whatever it is. It's just too funny. So, oh, okay, good. so he's so he's like a pro. A, like a dance pro and he has a, a dance competition yeah he owns the dance competition yeah and um then he, he's done like everything you can think of he was actually the Theodore from Alvin and the Chipmunks he was like the body oh um yeah and then he did La La Land he's done Goliath wow. he's like works all the time and it's so funny <sighs> because people are like He's a dancer. He looks like he'd be like a construction worker. I love La La Land, by the way. I that movie moves me. I and love it's it. So good. It's oh, so good. It's great. Um, so you so you were doing so I know that you were on two notable shows. So there's mm-hmm. TNT Animal Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that first. I actually booked that while we were together, and that was like really that was a little tough because um there was like a sex scene in it, which like is so uncomfortable. It's my one and only after that. I was like, I don't know if I can do that again. Granted, like Scott Spiegelman is like the, like if I was going to be on any show with any person, like I'm very lucky it was Scott Spiegelman, not because he's super cute, but gentleman and respectful and like really made things like comfortable. Can Um, you walk me through what that's like? So... One, they they made it seem when I got the script, it wasn't like anything crazy. But then the day you shoot, you get the updated shooting script. And it was like, he's doing it like a sex guy. It was like flipping her over. And I was like, oh, like, oh, no. Um, so we get set and like someone's banging on, you're in a trailer. And I open it and it's him. And he's like, I just wanted to let you know, like, don't be worried. We're not doing that. And wow. because... What people don't really realize about television is there's a different director every show. It's not the same director for the entire season. Uh-huh. So sometimes the directors don't really watch the show and they don't know the characters. So like Scott was like, do you watch the show? Like my character would never be doing this to a woman. Like that is not who my character is. And they're fighting and they're like, why don't you go wait back off, like offset? Like, cause it was like so awkward to the point where I'm like, they're just like going to get rid of the scene in general. And like, that's one less day I'm getting paid for. And no. but it ended up being fine. And I, but I was so thankful that he like really stood up for his character and like, also the scene in the show he was like this is not the kind of show we are we're tnt bro like no yeah um now back to the movie magic part you wear a thing so they can't actually show like nudity so i had to wear like these nipple covers and then it's like a silicone 
skin flush and it sticks to the front of you and it goes around your um, vagina and then it goes like into your sticks through your butt crack but doesn't come out like so that way like from the side and like everything it looks like nothing I see okay okay also thinking about this now I'm like these are like not like now that we're in COVID and stuff I'm like these aren't protecting us from like because we don't know what these other people like not that Scott but like god forbid I had to do this scene no, with anyone course. it's like we could these aren't protecting women like because the guys get to keep their boxers on and it's our job to cover them their clothing with our body I'm like um okay like, are you saying I'm fat <laughs> I literally they're like can you just cover his boxers with your thighs I was like <laughs> thanks a lot sure 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 mm-hmm. um so then naturally for a guy, it could be like anything. It doesn't, a pillow. I mean, I don't think it was like an attraction thing, but when you're shooting that many takes and someone's like grinding on you, yeah, things are going to happen. So you have to take breaks and then the guy has to put pants on and like walk, walk a, a boner off. Yeah, of course. It's normal. It's like normal reaction. I was just like, all these things I wish I knew before. It was just so awkward, but um, it was, it ended up being fine. It was fine but you're like in my head the whole time you're thinking oh my god is this you like sucking in arch your back like you're like oh I want this to look good and then your um, face too you have to like remember not to be like <laughs> it's like things we do all the time like not saying like have sex all the time or whatever but even eating on camera you're like how do I do this again like I remember one point when we're shooting I was like should I make noise I'm like yeah. what do I do I'm like how do I do this it's like yeah it was so awkward but um that was really hard for Nick to do but like I get it because there are sometimes in like dance summers these like dancers are gorgeous like oh my gosh and he'll be partner with like the most beautiful girl doing this like sensual dance and I'm like <laughs> but he yeah. loves you so much yeah and that's like the, trust each other totally and that's like the thing it's hard to like you gotta remember we love each other this is like all play pretend like it's more awkward than anything so right so, so like when that aired, what, how did you feel? Because obviously TNT is a very big network. And so how did, how did that make you feel? Um, I kind of, there were a few things that happened in this trajectory as I realized like very early on, like my typecast, no matter what headshots I took, no matter how many serious monologues I brought into auditions, I'm the sexy girl. I'm this, I'm like, I was always playing like these, like, really surface really crappy roles and granted I love Animal Kingdom and when I watched it it was like you know cool I I like that they gave her a little power like you know she at the my character's name was Reese and you know after they're done they're taking showers like do you want to go get something to eat I'm like no I don't want to eat with you like get out I'm in the shower like get out yeah get out Uh, (laughs) and like I but I also that was kind of there was like some experiences on set where like after I did some a good take um the director would be like good girl and I I literally would look around on set and there was just like I think there was one other woman who was like literally like her job was like a PA and she was just looking at me like I know this sucks and I like Ah. it started there where I was like why are there not more women on set why are we writing women like this why are these the characters that I have to play and it kind of sent me I watched it and it was great but also like kind of like I was teaching kids at the time and I'm like oh don't have don't watch that please and you know and other people it felt very vulnerable like people even though I'm not naked you can see a lot more than I want some people to see and after that I kind of was like I want to be in charge of the roles that I'm playing but more importantly like we got to get we got to get out there and change this narrative and this perception of women this is insane mm-hmm. and it was kind of then that I started like I want to direct and that's okay. what I really want to need and it kind of happened around right after that was like when the me too started happening and the time up started happening and I think especially in industry you could feel this collective like weight falling off our shoulders we're like finally oh my god like we have people that are listening to us and believing us and like these people are getting fired, the people that are like being creepy and saying good girl to people on set. And, and it just, there was like this empowerment of women that started in Hollywood and it was really, really great. And so narratives are slowly starting to change and representation of women and our stories that are being told are better than like, well, I didn't know he was marrying. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> so in brand new old love, which is on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, was, did you have a different experience or did you kind of feel the same way? I did have a different experience. And I really do think because the writer and the director was a woman, um, and she was so great to work with and very encouraging. And, um, the cast was great. We had Arturo Castro who, uh, was on Narcos and he's done so much stuff. And he's just like a delight to be around. My husband actually just worked with him and uh, he's just the sweetest guy, but that was like a totally different experience. And I think it's because when we put women in management or higher positions, like it just kind of does change like the environment and not saying like all men in the industry, I've worked with some great, great directors and men that are, are, you know, make you feel safe and comfortable, but it does make a huge difference. So, yeah, I mean, women in Hollywood, obviously there's been a surge of, you know, the me too, as you said, and I think women being on top, which is wonderful. And now we're coming through like with the, you know, last, last year with BM, BLM and, you know, and then there's like, well, there's no Asian nominees and it just keeps on going and going. And it just seems like to be a never ending whole of, it's always going to be this white male dominated Hollywood. So what, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, and it's kind of the problem with the Academy is like the board of the Academy are like old, old white people in retirement homes when you're nominated for it's so like, they always say it's a curse to be nominated for Academy award. Cause you have to go to these lunches and like almost campaign. And these lunches are like in a room of like 95 year olds that are just like, they're like, well, he's a cute white person. She's a skinny, pretty white lady. You got our votes. Like, it's like, these people are like, so part of me is like these, like God bless them peace be with you, but like they're on their way out and like the board, the Academy board is changing slowly. So unfortunately I think like we're having to wait for them to get on, get on with their life and then we'll start to change. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I like, but we are, the fun thing is we are seeing more women making stuff and good stuff because I think a lot of fear was like, oh, they're just nominating women and nominate women. No, we're seeing like great work. Um, while we still have room for these like male directors that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just seeing a lot more of slowly representation happening and people making room and breaking ceilings, um, which is exciting. But, you know, it's so overdue that it's hard for people to be like, this isn't fast enough. Yeah. Um, the good thing is we are in an era where like, it's so easy to create content now, no matter where you are, even if it's, you know, we don't have to all be making Academy Award nominated things all the time, like make something, put it on TikTok. Uh, it's like, there's so many platforms, so many ways to start creating, um, which is what I like to tell people that are like, there's not enough of this, of this. I'm like, we literally have no excuse to start making this on our own. And yeah. if you have a phone, you can do it. Yes, that yeah. is so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we didn't always have that luxury to create content, you know, from our fingertips. Uh, but it's also maybe a bad thing. It's also distracting us from from real life sometimes. You know, I catch 100%. myself on vacation creating content, creating content. And I'm like, wait, I forgot to enjoy the last two hours. So that happens too. Totally. 100%. Double-edged sword, I guess. Mm-hmm. A little bit. So, um then so you I know you were teaching kids um acting right Mm -hmm. like over zoom or skype or whatever it was yeah and are you still doing that or not anymore um I've kind of had to take a break just because I feel like I was giving like a lot and Mm -hmm. I kept on like the few students I still have mainly is because like they really do love acting they want to be actors and they're so fun and great to work with then you have the parents that are just like you can tell these kids are miserable they want to be outside playing they want to be having a life and their parents are like no they're they want to be actor and it's like it's not their dream and like it's okay for them to be a kid like this will always be here if they want to come back to it but like it kind of like sucked the life out of me that I had to like finally 
start being honest with these parents and like, this is not for them. They don't want to do this. It's very obvious. Like forcing them to do this is like going to make them resent you, resent <laughs> acting. So I had to like really trim down like who I was like sharing my time with. And I mean, you were very active. You would go to their performances. You would go to their, whatever it was, I, fashion shows. I don't remember what it yeah. was, but you were always constantly there supporting your students. Um, I remember seeing that, that content from you. A hundred percent. I love, I really love working with kids. And I think it's because it's so important in that age group. Think about like, like, I remember the reason I, I don't sing anymore is I had a choir teacher tell me like, you're, you, you can't have that part. It was like something like you don't really sing that well. And it was the way he worded it made me be like, I'm horrible. I can never sing again. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like the way we say things to kids is like, will change their career path forever. And so it's so important to really like just pour in this positive energy and love and speak fruitation into them because they really believe what we tell them. And so a lot of these kids really need that. They're not getting it sometimes from their home environment. Um, and so for me, it's fun to you actually see a difference when you're like, that was so amazing. You did so good. I can't wait to see you do it again. Mm -hmm. And they believe that. And then when they do it again, it's watching a whole other person. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me is like the best part of working with kids is that they just like really that childlike behavior. It's like almost magic, you know? Yes. I definitely, mm -hmm. I definitely know. And it's before you get into the pressures of Hollywood and living in LA and, you know, all of that. I mean, how do you, how do you, how have you dealt with that? The pressures of, you know, you need to have your face frozen with Botox, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with, mm -hmm. um, but you know, like you have to have the perfect body. You have to keep up with your trainer. You've got to go do Pilates. You've got to mm -hmm. do, go do berries. Like, how do you, how do you feel now? And how did you feel say like three to five years? ago about those standards three to five years ago I was just like this is what it is I like I remember it was such a big deal to have a big Instagram following that that was my job and everything was like well I did this post I need to do this post what do I look how many followers am I getting and I was so unhappy that I had like a mental breakdown I had finally gotten a meeting with a manager that I had been wanting to meet with. And I remember walking in the office and like, we had this conversation and she was just like looking at me and she's like, you were nothing like I expected. I looked at your Instagram and thought you were just this typical LA actress. And you're so funny. You and you're are. so like this personality. And she's like, I don't get that from your Instagram. And I was like, I've been spending so much time making this appearance, trying to build my following. Uh, and I'm not even myself. People don't, uh, it's not correlating. And I was like, I, it was kind of in that moment that I realized like, what is the point of doing this? If like, you're not happy one, I was so miserable and I'm not, my manager didn't sign me because she would have rather had me and not this girl that was on Instagram. <laughs> and she was like, what is happening? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not, it's okay to not, it's okay to do those things if that makes you happy. And like, have really like I challenge the people that really do focus on what they look like on Instagram like do that if you really are living and you're happy and you're highlighting truthfulness mine wasn't mine was like hey I'm here and then it's just like uh I didn't enjoy it because the whole time I was like how do I look on Instagram and like yeah. how does this outfit look and so I after that I was like this isn't what I want this doesn't matter I didn't post for like a year um, and still, I still get a little like weird about what I post. I love my stories because yes. I'm like, these are fun. I can do whatever. Um, which is like still, even my manager still is like, maybe putting your work on Instagram. I'm like, do I know? Um, but it is a struggle. It is, you want to look a certain way and it's completely unattainable is what I found. Like we are never going to look like the filters ever there's no <laughs> surgery you can get that you're gonna look like that and it's just these crazy expectations and I got really sick um and I got this like really rare bacteria that like literally only like four doctors in the world have like worked on is this right and, after you got married is yeah and I was like, couldn't sleep. I couldn't like really like I, cause they couldn't figure out what was wrong. 
And I was used to being in like amazing shape. And I was just in so much pain and so sick. And like my body like wasn't where I wanted it, whatever. But I remember being in so much pain. And after we figured out what it was and I got better, um, I was like, I'm never ever like, because I was like on a bedridden for like four months. And I was like, if I can ever go outside and walk my dog again, if I can ever eat like a food I like again, go get sushi. If I can ever just go to the beach again, that's all I want. I'm never going to talk bad about myself, which like, of course we still have our moments, but I was like, I'm never going to judge my body again. Like, because it's not worth it. Like in a second, you can be sick and you don't even get to do the basic things. I was like, it's so not worth like beating myself up about like my 11s, which, yeah. you know, it's like, it's fine. Can I breathe? Can I laugh? Can I walk? Like, these are the things that really are important. I know that you relate to me in a lot of ways with your chronic pain because mm -hmm. you went through it and I suffer with chronic pain. I think a lot of the time people look at people like us with big personalities and we love to talk and we love to be animated and on the inside, like we keep it, we keep it in, we keep it, and there are close friends and family know, and mm -hmm. they're aware of it, but even sometimes they forget and mm -hmm. they, you know, they forget that like 24 seven, my back is hurting me. Yeah. 24 seven, you know, even sitting here, I'm just like, oh my goodness, my leg is hurting me. <laughs> you totally. know? And, um, or my knee, remember you recommended those bands for my knee and things mm -hmm. like that. And it's just like the amount of upkeep that I have to do to keep my body in a functioning way <laughs> is just, is it's unreal. And, um, it's, you know, it costs me even more than it takes to do my filler and Botox, to, 100%. you know, to keep my, you know, and, and even like just the workouts, the Pilates, the massage therapy, you know, the stretching therapy, the chiropractor, all the stuff, you know, tr trying to get the MRIs. Like I'm by the way, I'm done with MRIs. <laughs> I refuse to get another MRI. I've gotten like 10 so I'm done. Yeah. But it's just, it's something that a lot of people can't relate to. And I'm trying to spread a little bit of information about chronic pain. So I'm glad that you can speak to that um, because it's so debilitating where for four months you said you were just like, can I just go get sushi? Like, I literally just want to go get sushi. That's all yeah. I really want to do. And I've been there, you know, for the month of May, I literally, I got, I could either stand or lie down. I could not sit. So no working upright. I had to work like my laptop like this. Yeah. Um, or, you know, no going to dinner with my family or no sitting in a car. Like I couldn't go anywhere unless the seat was all the way back and I was just like riding dirty. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean, seriously. So it's horrible. It really is. And I know that, you know, not just people in their mid thirties are going through this. I think mm. it's of any age. So it's important to remember when we're talking about ourselves and our beauty standards, you know, talk to ourselves in a loving way. Um, and I do try to spread that message too, you know, like love yourself. Don't Photoshop yourself. Like I used to, like, I literally Photoshop the shit out of myself. Girl, same. Constantly, same. constantly. So, but you've always been, I mean, you've always had a very athletic frame. Like, I, have you always been an athlete though? Always been an athlete. I okay. love, I love working out. Um, yeah. and that was like the other thing, like when you're, and I'm sure you felt like that too, when you couldn't work out, you're like you want to do it. It makes you feel good. And I was yeah. like, Oh, I yeah. missed that so much. I was like, really didn't take, I kind of took for granted, like how good it makes you feel, mm -hmm. um, to move your body. But I, uh, there's just that misconception. I'm sure people are like, well, you look pretty. So like, you're no. not going to be in that much pain and it's, but I you can't know. sleep. My second yeah. is shot. Like, yeah. for, I mean, you know, there's my mental clarity is terrible. Mm -hmm. My mood's mm -hmm. terrible. I mean, I think it affects so many things. Oh yeah. hundred so percent. I think you're right. Um, so do you, so keeping a marriage afloat in LA, speaking of, you know, keeping up with these standards and things like that. Um, I know you and Nick are solid. I, I know that, but just coming from an outsider's perspective that, that don't know you guys as a couple, um, tell us how you keep a marriage afloat in LA. I think the most important part of doing that is like really who you marry. Like really, I know it's like cliche because they say it all the time, but marry your best friend because like on those hard days, especially in this city, like you don't want to come home to like someone who's like, oh, they're super hot, but they can't 
understand or listen to you or talk to you or have an intellectual conversation with you. And I know we've all kind of dated those people like, oh, they're so cute or they're this, but like literally offer me nothing emotionally or, and you know, a lot of people do get in these relationships where they're like, the sex is great, but like, oh, that's great. But like, can he um, handle a crisis? Like if you can't, like if you're sick for four months, can he call the insurance companies for you? Cause you can't know, probably not. That's it's really finding a partner that like you can trust and know you can rely on. And, and he, I'm very, very lucky that I found him in it's weird because he just gives me so much of the things I realized why my relationships didn't work in the past. And it was, he kind of showed me like, Oh, it's because I needed all these things. And I was so focused on these other things. Um, and also in LA, it's, we, go to like sporting games together. We, you have to do things together, which is kind of hard because like we're, all my friends are single and a lot of his friends have kids and we don't have kids. So like we find like finding a group like to double date with, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard. Um, so we, but we try and have a lot of fun. We take like a lot of vacations. We're very experienced people. Like we, I sent him to like Yankees fantasy camp because the Astros don't have one and they need to get one. Um, but it's like doing, we like to do like really fun things and keep it like fresh and like our relationships still feel new. Um, cause it is hard to do those things. Like there are I would ideally love to say we do date night once a week, but that there are like months we're both so busy that I'm like, yeah. okay, we need to go on a date. Like, you know, yeah. and those things are normal, but it's always finding like your way back and having something that you love, even if it's a show, like once a week, like babe, our show's on, let's watch our show. Like it's having like little rituals that like make you happy. Mm-hmm. And how about distractions? Like, I mean, I know this might not be the case with you guys, but do you ever feel like there are couples, like maybe friends of yours or acquaintances where their marriages have like someone has the one, not necessarily that they would cheat, but there's like a little bit of a wandering eye just because of all the options there are in Los Angeles or or what? hundred percent. I see it all the time. Um, Or they are actually doing those things. And it's, um, but again, I think that's a testament to like the person you're marrying. Like a lot of times, like how they met was they, well, one person was in a relationship and left the person for them. And I'm like, well, that's like a clear sign that if he's easily doing that to someone or she's easily doing that to someone, they're going to do it to you. It's like really the integrity of people are like, you know, well, he lied at the beginning, but we got stronger. It's like, and while I completely think people can change if you're making them change they're not really changing right like the changing has to come from them right and so I think it's like picking these partners and there are just some people that I really wish would just say I don't want to be in a serious relationship yeah that is okay but like not telling people and wasting their time is not okay it's like that's okay to never want to get married or be in a relationship. Say that because there are other people that also want those things. Exactly. But I think we have people like trying to be something they're not. And that's like the problem. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah. And then also having kids and then splitting up. And then the Mm -hmm. kid is like, what? I mean, there's just so much of that. There's so mm-hmm. much of that. Not really like amongst my friends. I just see it a lot, you know, where people fall in love, they get pregnant right away. It's like they don't think. And that, yeah, yeah. that bugs me a lot. Yeah. I don't like that for the kid. Yeah, myself. for sure. Um, yeah. So going back to, let's talk about baseball Yay. a little bit. <laughs> um, so I know that you and Nick are huge Astros hands huge we love that for us um, <laughs> we love that um, so tell me first of all about being the raging Astros fans at Dodger Stadium tell me about that oh gosh so that was like the most emotional roller coaster we have <laughs> ever been on but I was like babe I like I was like the Astros may never go to a world series in our lifetime, which we now know is ridiculous. They're going to go to all of them. But at the time I was like, this has never happened. This may never happen again. We'll have to get a If we have to get a second mortgage on the house. That's how it was. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) it doesn't matter. But also (laughs) we like, we got very lucky having friends that are like sports agents that we got a better deals. But like, I was like, we can't sit in the nosebleed at Dodger stadium. We will get stabbed. Yeah. Like I was like, we have to be down like it on the Astro side. Um, Maybe where there are cameras. 
Oh yeah. yeah. And we'd wear like a sweatshirt over our Astro stuff until we got into the stadium. It's, it's, it's very scary. Um, so, <laughs> but there was, I don't know, Astro, I could say so many things about Dodgers fans. So I'm going to try and be nice, but well, like, they're, but they're rude here. I mean, they're trash, trash. Just They're trash. so rude here. And I'm like, you're not even at home. Can you just be like, we understand you want to cheer for the Dodgers. That's totally fine. Yeah. But don't be rude. Yeah. I'm also like worry about your players that can't yeah. play because they're trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's there are some days where I forget I have an Astros hat on and I'll be at the store. I'm like, why is everyone so rude to me today? And then yeah. I'll like get home. I'm like, oh, I wear an Astros hat. Yeah, I put up a TikTok the other day and my friend who lives in LA was like, Steph, I need to save you. You need to take this down immediately. And I was like, no. no. I was like, I am not taking anything down. I was like, if someone wants to talk about the cheating scandal again, bring it on. Like, yeah. it's, it's not going to change my opinion of my team. Like, do you know how many, do you know how many times people have cheated in that way in the history of baseball? Like, I'm like, if I wanted to watch a fun, fair sport, I'd watch golf. Like, yeah. Yeah. We know there's cheating. Everyone's doing like I'm like, come like, on. Let's go watch tennis. Like where there's, there's literally someone watching their every yeah. move. It's so ridiculous that all of a sudden yeah. people are like so righteous. I'm like, oh, I know. Are we serious? Yeah. No, they're really serious. Yeah. So tell me about the shirts. Tell me how you came up with it. Tell me all about the the inception of the shirts. Well, Nick being the angel that he is was like really upset about the cheating scandal. Like he yes. felt like it was like someone had first told him Santa wasn't real. Like he just <laughs> felt like lied to. I love it. And where I like was embraced, I was like, let them hate us, blah, blah, blah. Like whatever. We're like in wrestling, they call the bad guys heels. I was like, we're the yeah. heels of baseball. We have to embrace it. Yeah, I yeah. love this. Like this is going to be better for us. Um, and so he was like, he's always thinking of like creative stuff and he's like had drawn it and he was like these shirts they hate us and I was like oh my gosh I want it so originally we were just like let's make I don't know 30 and see if any of our friends want it and in like an hour those were gone Dang. and then people were tagging people and spreading it that we literally I mean, it was just him and I, and then we had to start getting our friends to help us like package them. And we finally had to hire like a print, a printer to make the shirts. Cause we couldn't get them made fast enough that we had like three printers. We were you selling. Were covered, so you were, you were covered by media though, correct? Covered by media. It yes. blew up more than we thought MLB, Yahoo sports, like <laughs> shared it. And in, in the entertainment industry, if you want to steal an idea um or you know just recreate like a movie because we keep seeing like the same version of a movie a million times yeah. you just have to change it by 20 percent. so I'm like we, we didn't use the Astros logo we changed right. it but I was like we just have to change a little bit the font's different the stars not the same that's enough yeah. well, we're in the middle of a radio interview and I just see Nick check his phone and his face is like and we got a nice little um, email from the MLB. Little and cease and desist. Yeah, just a little. And we call an attorney and they were like, don't, like, the attorney was like, are you really calling me seeing if you have a chance against the MLB? He was like, no. He was like, if you squint your eyes and it looks like the Astros logo, like that, you can't do it. <laughs> and we were like, what? Like, we were just like, so we had to um, stop, which was fine. Because, like, a lot of other people, like, ripped their idea off, which I... We were like, they can get in trouble now. But my, you may, I, have to, you may have to give one to me just so I can have one. Of course, because <laughs> we do like still have a bunch that we were like, yeah. well, I'm the one that I'm like, they're not checking, babe. Because this was pre, you know, COVID. Yes. So I think COVID, and it was like the perfect idea. Like none of us knew when we were selling or buying these shirts that well, there's not going to be really a season right now. No. Um, but I'm of course like Nick's like, no, we will just keep all these extra shirts. And I was like, babe, just bail me out of jail. It's fine. That's like the, the we're just so opposite. I'm like, it's worth it. It might be if you're listening. I'm kidding. We're not, we're not, we're not. I'm <laughs> at MLB. Um, yeah. I, I love, I, I love that you guys like pick up and and come into Houston for a game or pick up and go to wherever the Astros are playing. I love that 
Um, and I think that keeps a relationship super fresh. And I always think about that when I'm dating someone, you know, and I'm like, let's just like go to even Galveston. I'm like, let's go get a hotel in Galveston for the weekend. And if that, if that person is like, uh, let me check. I don't know. I'm like, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I want want someone that's going to do that with me. Like, let's pick up and go see the rockets and the finals and if that ever happens. Totally. Um, I know. (laughs) One day. What happened? I'm manifesting. Uh, manifesting. (laughs) Well, that was, Nick is like very, he's, we kind of are attract because he's very like business-minded type more type a like focus where I'm like oh let's just fly it's like a 30 minute flight so I realized yeah. that I had to stop like asking him he's a planner he go. he's the guy that goes to the airport like three hours early and like we sit there mm-hmm. and I'm like are you kidding um I'm a, I'm so, a planner too I'm a yeah planner too. but I so, also like to be a little spontaneous yeah where he I would just be like get a bag we're going and so he just learned to like have to live with it like I'd give him like a hint or I'd have to tell him to block off days from like teaching or whatever and I was like we're going and then now it's like our thing we made we won a score game at every stadium we have like seven left um one of them being the Giants but we're doing that when the Astros play on the 31st we're going to the game in San Francisco but that was like a fun thing to do is like find a thing that you could cross off like I want to go to every ghost town in America or whatever yeah I want to go see like these sites and it's like keeps the goal of things for you guys to do so we are like we want to do every baseball stadium love it um yeah I love that you have that shared love of baseball I feel like if people don't love baseball I don't know what to do with them I'm like what do we talk about what do we (laughs) I know I know know. it's like and and honestly I barely talk about basketball anymore because I am like very salty so salty so so and I'm like the biggest Rockets advocate but this year I'm just like you know what I'm just gonna throw in the towel for about like a year and a half and then we'll see (laughs) it was just like too hard to watch and then also watch like Harden thriving and in Brooklyn and I'm like this is not how it was supposed to go he was supposed no. to get up there and be horrible and, and honestly, we were supposed to be good if I have to be really honest with you and this is just really mean of me but I was I was in Cabo when they were playing it was like the first round the Nets were playing the Bucks, and I was like I don't want the Nets to win like it was so mean and I just because because just because Harden was on the yeah. team and everyone's like, oh, they're shooing to win this year. They're going to win the whole thing. And I was like, no. no, Because that's the thing. It's like Harden folds under pressure to me. 100%. And so I was like, I want him to do the same thing. So I'm proven right, you know, because everyone yeah. would just be like, what are you talking about, Stephanie? It's the team's fault. It's not his fault. He can't carry the whole team. I'm like, yes, but he has to lead. And like, if he shows this nasty ass attitude on the court, his whole team's going to be like, mm, yeah. you know, and they're just going to follow suit. Also, I like when he played for the Rockets, everyone hated him. He was oh. Like, you know, he's a flopper and all this, but then he goes to Brooklyn and he's like America's sweetheart. And I'm like, yeah, wait, keep that energy. Like we're all supposed to hate him now. Yeah. Like I see him on like so many commercials now too. Yeah. It's crazy. Instead of just, I I mean, I I know he had the Reebok deal before he left here, but I see him on, you know, I can't, I think it was like a drink, whatever it was. It was some commercial. And I was like, what, what? What's yeah. happening here? And now all of a sudden he's okay to be Yeah. Here. I'm like, what? It's annoying to me. Oh it's so God. annoying. And the Texans too, I will say, I haven't even, I haven't even paid attention. I'm like, yeah. I don't even care. Like I, I bought my season tickets in 2011 and I got rid of them. Yeah. It's, so. yeah. The, it's like the franchise is just like, we give up. Yeah. And then like the salespeople, it's their job, obviously to sell tickets, but the salespeople are like really being dicks about the PSLs. And they're just like, well, you have to buy the tickets because you own the PSL. I'm like, yeah, but I want to sell the PSL, but I can't, I can't find anyone to buy it even for a freaking dollar. Yeah. When we paid 2,500 a piece. Yeah. And so now I'm, I mean, we literally, my dad and I, we were just like, just let's just not buy them. What are they going to do? Yeah. 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 So I just, man, I really, I really hope it gets better. At least we have the Astros. 
I know. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Well, um, I want to end by asking you, so this is going to be my question that I ask all of my guests. Okay. And hopefully it could be a little emotional. So I, it doesn't have to be. So keep that in mind. But if you could go up to your 20 year old self, give her a hug, just envision her in front of you, give her a hug. And as soon as you left her embrace, what would you say to her? Take your time. <laughs> Man. I think I would have to say, I would tell myself it's okay to want more. It's okay to tell yourself you deserve more. I think there's this misconception, especially with women that if you have higher standards or if you demand more or you believe you deserve more, you're high maintenance or you're a bitch or you're these things. And it's okay to want that. It's okay to protect your energy. And I think that's why I, I love in this day and age that more and more women are starting to notice that. And I wish we had more of that when we were growing up, you know? Um, so I think that's what I would tell myself. I think I settled a lot or, accepted things because I thought that's what I deserved and I wish that I would have known like the possibilities are endless that's beautiful I love that it's very Thanks, similar too. it's very similar to mine yeah it's like it's like don't be don't be so afraid of what people you who you don't know think about you like what mm -hmm. do they know they know mm -hmm. nothing about your life so it's it's really similar to mine yeah thank you so much Thanks for having me. I mean, I could have talked to you for another two hours, but it's I know. been an hour already. And I'm just I like, love it. all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, love. Bye, Boo. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks. Bye. That's our episode for today with Chelsea Bluffman Drago. I loved having her on the show. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe. Turn your notification bells on if you're on YouTube. If you are streaming us on any platform, please leave us a review. It would mean a lot to me. And if not, we're just happy to have you here with us. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified as soon as a new episode drops. I would love it if you would leave me a review on any of your streaming platforms. And if you don't, I'm just happy to have you here with me and spending some time with me. So as always, I am here. Sending all my love, and we'll see you in the next one. That's a wrap for this episode of The Luxury Dropout. Make sure to visit stephaniejoplin.com to find all of Steph's episodes, including full podcast descriptions and photos of her guests. Until next time, besties.